0: Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Have your Bibles here at 2 Timothy chapter number 4. The books of the Timothy, of the Timothys, there we go, Uh, and Titus are among my favorite books, especially at this point in my life, uh, to study and to read and to look at. Um, The books of Timothy and Titus are often called the pastoral epistles, uh, the writings that Paul wrote to help prepare these young men uh, for the ministry, but also to prepare these young men, what I've noticed, to be just overall young Christian men. And Timothy uh, is often, and they both are, but Timothy especially is referred to as Paul's son in the faith. Understanding something about Paul when he goes to, uh, when he's talking to these young men. Paul was, before his time as an apostle, was a Pharisee. Paul wasn't married. Paul didn't have children of his own. At least that we can see there in Scripture. I, I uh, but Paul, so when he took on Timothy, and he took on Titus under his wing, he was taking them on as his own children. He was taking them on as their sons in the faith. He was rearing them up in Christ and rearing them up in the ministry. He was there, they were, uh, he loved them. He loved them as if they were his own sons. Uh, but those, in reading the books of Timothy and Titus, it, it has always been a blessing for me at this stage in my life as I am growing and be, uh, learning to become a minister in the, Lord, in, the in, in, in the in the in uh, the gospel. But it's not only just that they're beneficial to us as a church as well. When we read the books of the Timothy, we see how the local church is is and can be run. We see the qualifications that we have for a pastor and for a deacon. We see uh, just different ways that we can guard ourselves against this world that we live in. And that Paul was saying, hey, it's going to get worse and we're going to get into that here in a moment. It allows us to be ready and on our guard to, uh, to reach this lost and dying world. And if I could say it this way, it helps prepare us to tell the story. It, Paul is challenging Timothy and Titus on how to be uh, better ministers to this world. But in our, we know that God has preserved this word for almost 2,000 years. There's something profitable about it for us, amen? And so as we read this, we have to also understand a couple things. We have to understand the context of, of Timothy here. Because anything, anytime that we read scripture, or more or less anything, anytime that we read something without context, it's just pretext. So we have to understand what is going on. We know that in this, Paul is in prison. Uh, the books of Timothy are oftentimes referred to by scholars as the last two books that Paul wrote before his, his death. So Paul, in writing to Timothy, writing to his son in the faith, is writing his last two letters, tying up loose ends. He's saying, Timothy, the time is coming, where the time is short, These are just some things that we have to set in order before I go. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter number uh, 4, he's concluding. He's concluding, and in my opinion, once again this is my opinion, he's concluding his ministry. At this moment in his life, Paul knows that he's coming close to an end. And he's saying, Timothy, you're next up. You're the next generation. And he's saying, Here's the torch. And this is once again my opinion. He's passing at this letter, at this time, in my opinion, once again, my opinion. He's taking the torch and he's handing it to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, you're the next generation. And when we read, we're going to read here in chapter number four. And now we understand that context. I hope that it helps you understand where Paul is coming from. His life is about to end. End. He's been in prison for, for two years in Rome. He had been before, uh, we heard last week, he had been before Agrippa, the king. He had been before Caesar. He had tried to appeal to Caesar and it just didn't work out. And tradition says that it was after this point that Paul spent time in prison and he was executed. And so we see in the Bible where chapter number four and verse number one where the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord's, which the Lord, righteous Judge, shall give me at the day at that day. Sorry, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, and having loved this present world, and is departed to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia. Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable for me. To me for the ministry. Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. We're going to stop there, just for the sake of time, because I know Mike was hassling me to get out here by eleven thirty. Um, so we're going to try to get out here by eleven thirty. <laughs> no promises. Um, but what we're reading here, like I said before, that Paul is basically tying up his loose ends. Now, he's calling for Timothy, and we're going to see this again here in a moment, to come to him. He's saying, Timothy, my time is close. We're going to be uh almost, done, you know, we're I'm almost done, but I'd still like to see you beforehand. I'd still like to see you beforehand. You've been a son in the faith. You've been somebody whom I've uh, loved, somebody who I've grown, and I'd like to see you. And so he's writing to him. He's saying, come. And what I'm seeing here is that he's saying, Timothy, things may not look the greatest right now. And in chapter number three, once again going back to that context thing, he's saying beforehand he goes, "Timothy, things are going to get bad. Life as a Christian isn't easy street necessarily. There's going to be men, and there's going to be people that are against you. There's going to be people that are coming to go against the gospel that we have preached." Thing, and I'm at the same time Paul saying, "Look, my time's come. I've run my course." Timothy, things may look bleak. Things may not look like it's looking up. But you've got to move forward. We've got to move forward. Sound familiar? In the world that we live in today, sometimes things don't look bleak. Or sometimes things look bleak. Sometimes things look like it's not going our way. I've been watching the Supreme Court Uh, For the past several days now. Just to know whether or not I'm going to potentially have a job. It's simple. Things may not look up right now in our lives. No, the pews aren't filled right now because of an illness out and about. But we have to move forward. We have to move forward. Pastors preaching through, uh, or in the book of Joshua once he gets back. He's preaching on that we need to move forward together. And if we're going to do that, I want to share with you a couple things this morning on going forward when things seem bleak. On going forward when things seem bleak. So we're going to pray, and we're going to jump right into this, all right? Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, we just, we praise you for all things that you do for us, Lord. Father, we praise you for your word and. Uh, and your preservation for it or of it, Lord. Father, I pray that you be with us this morning as we uh, look at your word and we look at these points, Lord. We know that the future isn't always uh, bright, but Father, we know with you that we have a promise and a blessed hope. Father, I pray that this message be an encouragement to all those viewing and watching online and those here in the pews, Lord. I just pray that you uh, take Trevor and set him aside and allow your words to shine through. Father, I give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before we can go into point number one, we need to look here at verse number one where it says, I charge thee therefore. Now, if you've been in a Baptist church for any amount of time, I'm sure if I, the next thing I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to say. There's the word therefore. So we have to ask ourselves, what is it there for? Every Baptist preacher I've ever heard preach in my life has said that. And it's so true because God has put these context or these context clues in the Bible that we so we can know what exactly is going on. So verse number one, it says, therefore, so we have to go back to chapter number three, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter number three. And we're going to go back to verse number 12. And I'm going to read there through the end of the chapter or partial, I should say. And it says in verse number 12 of chapter number three, yea, And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Remember, like I said, Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, things aren't going to look up. Things aren't necessarily going to be the grandest. He says, yea, all that will, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution persecution but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived now pay attention here in verse number 14 the first three words but continue thou simply that's the first point point number one continue thou in the word continue in the word if we're going to move forward when things are looking bleak when things are looking negative when the future doesn't seem right we must continue in the word of god Paul writes, he's saying, Timothy, things are going to look bad. Things are looking bad. You know, people are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. But hey, in it, continue in the Word. It's the Word of God that we know changes lives. It's the Word of God that He has preserved for us for over... Whenever Moses wrote Genesis, I think it's about 4,500 years. He's preserved His Word. He's kept it for us. Now understand when we read this, when it talks about Timothy reading and knowing the Holy Scriptures from when he was a child, he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the law. He's talking about the books of the kings and of Samuel and the Chronicles. And he's talking about the Psalms and all those that were already presented and given to us. In the word of God, he's talking about those in there, but that still is profitable for us with the New Testament. God has preserved for us even more uh, revelation here in the New Testament on how we can become wise unto salvation, which we're going to see. And we see in verse, continuing in verse number 14, it says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And I guess if you want to say subpoint letter A, remember who you learned of. He's reminding Timothy, remember who you learned of. It's first and foremost. If you're going to read the Word of God, if you're going to find your, go into a positive point of view, you must, you must remember who it's about. The very beginning of the books of the law in Genesis chapter number 3, we see the very first uh, presentation of the gospel. Eve had eaten of the snake, or the serpent, Satan, had talked to Eve, had convinced her, and perverted the word of God and said, Hey, hasn't God said this? And she ate of the fruit. And now I'm not, I wasn't there. It's not in the Bible. I don't know. I can guarantee when she walked up to Adam and said, Hey, Adam, I took this from from the tree. You should eat it. And I'm sure he looked at her whatever color eyes they were and said, Okay. And he ate the fruit. Man was officially sinful. But you know, God didn't stop there. They played the blame game. When when God found Adam, he said, I was ashamed. And he said that the woman that you gave me, blaming God for this, the woman that thou hast given me, is the one that did this. And then Eve places the blame on the serpent. And then from there, we're given the very first presentation of the gospel where God says, look, these things are going to happen. You're going to have to face this punishment. But one day, there's going to come a man. There's going to come from the seed of the woman who's going to come and crush the head of the serpent at the cost of his heel. But we know from the Old Testament or from the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament, we know that's not the end of the story. Paul gives the gospel clearly in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says that it's the death according to the scriptures. The burial and the resurrection according to the scriptures. It's by that that we are saved. We remember who the Bible and who the word of God is written about. We know that God has worked with man in different ways throughout throughout history. But it's always been about faith in him. And entrusting in Him, entrusting in God. When Jesus was giving His high priestly prayer in the garden before His death, He said, uh, <coughs> He was praying to the Father and He said, Sanctify them in Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Jesus said that He was the way, the truth, and the life. Our way to find sanctification, our way to grow, our way to move forward is in the Word. I guess that was also the subpoint letter B I kind of bl- blended there was remember what he did for you. Christian, things seem bleak, but we have something to rejoice in, amen? Jesus Christ, hey, can I remind you that the, like I said before, the gospel is the death and the burial, but it doesn't end there. The tomb is empty, that he's ascended to the right hand of the Father promise to come again, Jesus. He did something for you. He bled and died for you only to rise again and defeat death. He said in a <coughs> chapter number verse number 15 it says in that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus If you haven't learned anything from the past few months, I hope that you learn, or if you've learned anything from the past few months, I hope that you've taken from the power of faith. That if we're going to move forward in our daily lives, in our Christian lives, in our church lives, we must have faith. We must trust in Jesus. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, things are going to look bad. Evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, meaning they're going to come by. They're going to be here. They're going to get worse and worse and worse. Man, I've been alive for 23 years now. And I'll tell you right now, 2022 is not 1998. Amen? Those of you who have been around longer, 2022 is not 1965. 2022 is not 1950, and I'm not going to go any further. Just because I don't want any hymnals thrown at me, amen? But things are getting worse and worse. So we get closer and closer to that glorious return of Christ. And we remember what it was that saved us, and who it was that saved us. And we also see here why it's important. Why it's important. Remember why continuing in the Word is important. Where the scripture says, all scripture, in verse number 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, meaning for what you learn, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's the scriptures. It's what we learn about the doctrine. It's what makes us right with God. It's what we learn. It's how we make ourselves right with God. For reproof, it tells us when we're not right with God. Correction tells us how to make it right with God. Instruction in righteousness, how to keep it right with God. Why? Because it's through the word of God that the man of God may be perfect, meaning complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. It's by the word of God and through faith in Jesus Christ is why we do the good works and why we live a Christian and godly life. It's by the word of God that we are able to know when we're wrong and when we're right. The scripture says in Galatians, it's as a schoolmaster correcting us. It's by the word of God. If we're going to move forward when things are bleak, we must return back to what it was that saved us. It was Jesus Christ and the word of God is what is going to remind us of what he did for us. It's going to help us grow. The Word of God is the only thing today God has given to us that we can hold in our hand that changes lives. That changes lives. There's been people that have been hit that have done nothing for their with their lives. They've been in the bar every night drinking and drinking and drinking. I know of a preacher that he grew up a Roman Catholic. And he he drank and drank. He was a drunk. And he was on the verge of killing himself because of how miserable his life was. He got invited to a Bible-preaching church. And you know what? From the Word of God, he got saved. Today, he's an evangelist, preaching the Word of God. People getting saved, people growing in the Word. The Bible changes lives. The Bible, the Word of God, prepares our hearts. If I can borrow from Michael Jones, who was here earlier this year as our, uh, during our revival, it's the Word of God that tills our soil of our heart. It's the Word of God that's going to soften your heart, that's going to open your heart to the gospel and, and in turn forgiving the gospel. And with that, I move on to point number two, which we're going to see here in chapter number four, calling out to the world. If we're going to move forward, we must be willing to call out to the world. In verse number one of chapter number four, it says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that word quick means the alive, uh, those who are alive, quick in the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, and out of season. Reprove and rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul's saying, Hey Timothy, you've been, you're continuing in the Word. He said, continue thou. And he says right here, he's charging Timothy. He's being, he's closing up. He's now in chapter number four. He's starting to close the book. He's starting to close, honestly, he's starting to close his ministry. He knows that his time is close. He knows that he's going to be offered up and he's passing the torch and he's saying, Timothy, you must move forward. You must move forward. If this is going to work, if, this, if the church is going to continue, if we're going to continue to reach people for Christ, we have to be willing and we have to be ready to go out and give the gospel. And he says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something important about it. He says, look, I'm talking to you right now before Jesus and before the Lord God. I'm telling you right now that you must, that you must, preach the gospel. Why? Because he is the judge of the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He says there's going to be a judgment. And when you read the former uh, epistles, when you read through the Bible, we know that that doesn't end well for those who are not in Christ. And I've given this statistic before on a Wednesday night, and I'm going to give it now on a Sunday morning, that there are almost 8 billion people in this world. They estimate from a worldly standpoint that there is a billion people who even associate with the name of Christ. And I'll tell you right now that that includes people such as Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and other of the cults, and other of those who just say that they believe in Jesus. So if we take that billion, and we honestly, I would say, it would be proper to cut it in half. It's how many Christians there are in the world. Compared to how many that aren't. Right now, if the Lord was to return right now, there are seven and a half billion people in this world who would die and go to hell. Which the Bible says is a place of weeping and a place of wailing and of gnashing of teeth where the fire never goes out. A place of torment, a place of punishment, a place that was made for the devil and his angels. You know how many, you know, I don't, It doesn't sit right with me, knowing that there's people out there, and I'm just sitting on my couch. There's a work to be done. Things look bleak. Things look, uh, you know, not bright. But we must move forward. We must move forward for this to work. Because it's, it's not just you know, I don't feel like it. This is a matter, if I can say it this way, a matter of life and death. That there's people out there who need Jesus. There's people out there who need salvation. And it's by the preaching of the word of God, by the preaching of the word of God that we know that they can be found wise unto salvation. It's simple. It's just as simple as telling somebody your testimony. It's just as simple as telling somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. Giving them a scripture of encouragement. Telling them why you believe in Jesus. Paul says, Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You got to be patient through it all. Be patient, but go forward with strong teaching. And don't be ashamed of it. Even when it seems like it's in season or out of season, preach the word. Continue. He says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears away from tr- or they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables." That sound familiar? Thousands, thousands, if not millions of Americans. Or in churches, I use that lightly this morning, hearing about the next get rich quick scheme. The next, this will make you more beautiful scheme. The next, if you sow a seed, God will present it to you, will give you that seed back tenfold. Places out there that are teaching that it's okay. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus died for all, so you're saved. It doesn't matter the sin that you've committed, anything like that. You can just keep living the way that you're living. You don't even have to believe. There's people out there, and this is what going back to the fables, preaching that when you die and you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if your good works weren't enough, you're going to float around in an icky black void and hope that someone prays for you, that you might go to heaven. Not, not, not enduring sound doctrine. If you look at the churches around the world, those who preach the Bible and those who put on a show, I want you to look at those numbers. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather a close-knit group of Bible believers than a jam-packed auditorium full of people who just want a show. Now, I'd love to have the pews filled. I'd love to have people here preaching the gospel or hearing the gospel, but that's not going to happen unless we, as Bailey Road Baptist Church, go forward and give the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a bleak future before us, and the only way to make it not as bleak, to give it a little bit more positivity in that, is that we must move forward with the gospel. Giving somebody the gospel. I could go on for a long time on this. So in order to keep with Mike's time schedule, I'm going to move on. But point number three, we have to keep running toward the promise. We have to keep running toward the promise. When I was a kid, now I have pretty bad asthma. um, And so when I was a kid, running was not my forte. All right, you can probably tell that. Um, running was not my forte. We used to have to do this thing called the presidential fitness test. It was the worst week of my life. (laughs) We used to have to run a mile. Whew, man. Don't get me to run a mile now. The only way that you're seeing me run now is if there's a bear behind me or an ice cream truck before me, I promise you. But, you know, it was rough. And every year, I didn't run it. I walked it. Still finished. But it was rough. It hurt. Anytime, even if I got a slow slow jog, my lungs felt like they were going to collapse. It was rough. It was hard. I played soccer. I was a defender or a goalie because, man, I didn't have to run all that much. But when I played soccer, I played a more laid-back position because it hurt when I ran. It hurt. When I was, uh, I think I was 15, my dad and I, with my scout troop, went to go do an 80-mile hike in Pennsylvania. In the mountains. You know, Dad and I went about, I think it was like 10, and we quit. We quit. Not because he wanted to, but because I did, and I had a good dad that wanted to stick by me. You know, that's one of the greatest regrets of my life. Now, I'm 23 years old. I'm a little bit better shaped than I was when I was 15. I'm going to do it one of these days again. I'm going to do it. Right now, that was one of my biggest regrets in my life because I felt a little bit of pain. It hurt a little bit. At times, it felt like that pain was never going to go away. But, the, but what has stuck with me is, man, I could have finished that race. I could have finished that hike. And Paul is writing to Timothy and challenging him not to quit. He says, Timothy, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, Timothy, look, I'm leaving. I'm going home to the Lord. Time is coming short. But he's saying, Timothy, you must continue. Keep running. And Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Look, folks, I don't know where you're at in your life right now. But sometimes the Christian life, it hurts. It hurts. There's pain. There's persecution. There's sometimes you have to, there's relationships that leave you. We're going to get into that here in a moment. There's relationships that leave you. There's time that you wish that might have been able to be used on something else that you use for your Christian walk, but the promise that we have is much greater. Paul said, I've fought my good fight. Notice that. He said, I fought a Good fight. It's a good thing. Why? Because there's a promise that we have. He says, "I've finished my course." He kept going. He ran, and he's challenging Timothy to do the same thing. Why? Because it says, "Henceforth, there is laid up a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day, and not only, and not to me only, but to all of them also." that love his appearing. He says, Timothy, look, I've fought a good fight. I've run my course. I've gone. I've done all these things. I've reached people for the gospel. And because of that, there's a crown of righteousness before me. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, there's a reward for me in heaven. He says, hey, keep going. There's one for you too. And all those that continue in the faith. Timothy, things might not look all that great right now. That things may look bleak. That things look like that, you know... You're not going to have your mentor here anymore. You're not going to have your father in the faith here anymore, your leader. But Timothy, continue because there is a crown of righteousness before you. And I believe personally that the greatest reward is going to be when we get to heaven and we see those people that we have led to the Lord and we get to shake their hand and know that they are there because I got to share with them the gospel. I got to plant those seeds. But you know what? The even greater reward is knowing that God took control from there. God grew them, raised them up, led them to salvation. Paul says, I'm not the only one getting this award. All those that love his appearing. Folks, there's a promise that Jesus is coming back. I cannot wait to hear the trumpet sounds. Look, things don't look all that great right now, but you know what we have today is nothing compared to what is to come after he takes his church out. He's promised to come back for us. And I'll tell you right now, like I said before, I want as many people as I can to come with me. Because of what's coming, there's a time of tribulation time of Abraham's sorrows. But Jesus, our blessed hope, He's coming back. If that's not enough to keep you going, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. If we're going to continue, we need to remember to keep running toward the promise. The finish line. Some of you are a little bit closer to that finish line than others. And that's okay. But as you approach the finish line, what are you doing? Those of you that are still at the start of your race, find your pace and keep going. That way then when you are at the finish line, finish strong, finish well. Point number four this morning. If we're going to move forward, i give you this last point here and then we'll be finished up. If we're going to move forward, we must care for one another. We must care for one another. The pastor's preaching a message series called Forward Together. If we're going to move forward together, we need to be ready to care for one another. Verse number 9, it says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Paul saying, Timothy... My time is near. I'm going to be dead soon. I'd like to see you before then. But then he gives him a a list of things that he would like before he passes, before he is executed. And he's saying, Timothy, would you care? Would you minister unto me as I've ministered unto you? And he says, you know, a lot of people, this last portion here, the last parts of the epistles, they often read just real quick through, close the Bible, and they're done. But there's still so much truth in those. Verse number uh, 10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Christians unto Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Antichicus have I sent to Ephesus. He's saying, Timothy, I need you to bring Mark with you. Luke is here with me as well. Bring Mark with you. There's still work to be done. Don't worry, I've sent Tychicus to take your place. Because keep in mind, Timothy right now is in Ephesus. He's leading the church of Ephesus. He's there. He's sending Tychicus to be in his place. He's saying, Timothy, look, I need your help. These last moments, I want you hereby with me. I want to be an encouragement to you, but I need you to do these things for me. Young people, I want you to look around. I know there's not too many of young people in here. How can you care for these ones that we that sometimes can't care for themselves? Or that might need a little extra help? I know Henry needs some help. <laughs> I was waiting for the for him to say something there. But uh but what can we do to help them out? Be of service. Look, like I said, sometimes running for me isn't the greatest thing, but there's other things I can do. There's, I'm young, I'm able, there, I'm an able body. What can I do to help build the body of Christ? Older people don't think that you're excused from this either. How can you do, what can you do to help build up those younger people that are helping you out? Timothy is saying, hey, or Paul is saying, here, Timothy, I need your help here. I have been an encouragement to you. I have done, I have ministered unto you, I have given you all these things to know and to understand. Learn from these young people. Take time to know those who have come before you. Old people, know those that come after you. Be a blessing to them. I'm sorry if I'm using kind of blatant language there. I apologize. But but be an encouragement to them. Teach them. If there's a younger uh, couple here or in the church, or that you come in contact with, how can they be a better uh, God or a, a God-fearing couple? How can they be a God-fearing and a God-loving, uh, Bible-believing uh, husband and wife? How can their how can you encourage their children? How can you encourage the young people in school? I know today, like, I've been to, to, to the local universities. It's not great there. How can you be an encouragement to those in college? How can you be an encouragement to those in high school or those that are, that are aspiring to do great things for the Lord? How can you be an encouragement to them? Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, I need your help. I need you to do these things for me. But at the same time, he says, Timothy, here's some encouragement for you. And as he's coming, he's saying, hey, Timothy, watch out. There's going to be people that are against you. He mentions Alexander the coppersmith by name. He says, watch out for those that are against you. There's going to be people that are going against us. And if we're going to move forward together, we need to go forward together. We need to be willing to stand with each other. As Paul says at the very end here, in verse number 16, we're going to skip down to there. It says, And and at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Paul was giving an account of God. He was standing, giving the gospel. He was giving, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong on this, I could be corrected later, but he was standing trial. Nobody was standing with him. But you know what it says right there. I pray God that it may not be laid at their charge. There's people that have done us wrong. There's people that have caused us to be bitter, angry, sad, mad, glad. I don't know. I'm just naming emotions now. There's people that have done us wrong, or that we think that have done us wrong. If we're going to move forward. This is going to be the hardest thing for some people. It's hard for me. If we're going to move forward, we need to care for them by leaving that bitterness in the past. We need to leave it in the past. If we're going to share a true testimony of Jesus, we must leave that bitterness toward others in the past. Because Paul says, and remember, he says, and the Lord shall deliver me from evil. Sorry, go one verse up. I, I apologize. Notwithstanding the Lord, or yeah, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me, and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lions. Hey, even when those that don't, don't even when there's those that don't stand with us, we know that the Bible says, if none go with us, I'm paraphrasing here, He will go with us. He will stand before us. God is with us. Even when those who don't stand with us, that have left us behind, that seems like, man, I'm alone in all of this. We have God. We have God. He will stand with us. And then Paul ends here. He says, salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. I think I said that right. Erastus abode in Corinth, but Trophimus Have I left it my latum, sick? Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. He's saying, hey, tell these people I said hi. My friends here also say hi. That's one simple. When you see other brothers and sisters in Christ, greatest way to care for them, one, is to pray for them, make mention of them, know them. And two, I think that's, that's right there, get to know them. The best way to get to know each other is to be here or even just reach out. We have a phone directory. Reach out. Say, hey, how's it going? I'm praying for you. I'm loving you. Someone walks in the door, greet them. Say good morning. I'll tell you that that's powerful. To know. So if we're going to move forward when things seem negative, when things seem bleak, we must remember these things. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning.